Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Monday edition of the show. Kyle, since we last talked on this podcast, we've had conference championship games. The playoff selection has been done for college football. The bowl slate has been finalized. A meaningful week of NFL football. Coaches have been hired in the FBS ranks. Kyle, welcome. We got a lot to get into, man. I I have a confession to make. Oh, Okay. It has to center around one of the things that you just talked about. I find myself becoming increasingly more indifferent to the full bowl schedule. I would agree with you myself. Like I got, I got to be honest. I don't care. I didn't look at it. I looked at the college football <laughs> playoff. I looked at the New Year's Six. I can't. I don't. I right now. If you know who Alabama's playing and you told me, my reaction is going to be authentic because I have no idea who Alabama's playing in their bowl game. Well, let's talk about it. Uh, Alabama plays Michigan. Oh, they got that to come through. That's sick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm still interested in the matchups. There was a point in my life where I wanted to go to bowl games. I really enjoyed them. But I think it's just a product of what we do. Like right now, we're so focused on writing final scouting reports that that we're we kind of just need the the live college football games to stop. Yeah, just be over. Stop. <laughs> no more new film. <laughs> right. The volume of work is is immense. And uh yeah, it's like, yeah, come on, please. I don't I don't need this. It was what's this I won USC don't need it. You know, just don't need it. Oh, they're playing? And then you're like, oh, I want to. Yeah, then you're like, oh, I want to see Austin Jackson and uh, AJ Epinesa in this game. And, you know, you know. Like, just, so now I'm going to put writing both of their reports <laughs> off until they play that game so I can have yeah. it. Right, right. Exactly. It's just an annoying thing, but they're they're still fun. And I mean, they're challenging because there's some turnover with teams and stuff. And you know, more and more we're seeing guys sit out. So you're not really, you're not really seeing the teams play each other. And that's, that creates a challenging dynamic. But, um, it was pretty unsuspenseful when it comes to selecting those top four, man. I think we knew uh, the games settled it, right? I mean, Utah crapped their pants. Oklahoma beats Baylor. Georgia loses the LSU. We knew what was going to happen. My yeah. the most compelling thing for me when they announced the top four was, all right, did they put LSU at one because LSU needs to be one because you can't punish them and put them at two and make them play Ohio State. Or you Clemson, mean play Clemson. Clemson, yeah. yeah, yeah, instead of Oklahoma. That's what I meant to say, yeah. Well, I I really wish Oregon would not have shit the bed against, against, Arizona, against Arizona State or Auburn right. because I think a one-loss Oregon team with the way they defeated Utah, yeah. they'd have been the four. Yeah, and, and they, they've got a great offensive line. We've known they've had a physical offensive line. And it would have been as a fan of a team that needs a quarterback. If you could have told me, okay, Kyle, you're going to get Joe Burrow 
and Justin Herbert as candidates for the 2020 draft and Justin Fields and Trevor <laughs> Lawrence as candidates for the 2021 draft. Let's use the college football playoffs as a showcase for this is the future, the next wave of really, really good quarterback prospects to come through. And the, like that's just like a selfish angle for me as these quarterback prospects are super relevant for me in my NFL fanhood. But also, I think Oregon would have brought some really compelling matchups to a, a showcase against Joe Burrow and LSU. Uh, but we're not going to get a chance to see that because they didn't take care of business the way that they were supposed to. Oregon's probably one of the five most talented teams in college football. Mm-hmm. And it's not just their draft eligible talent. They've their their entire offensive line. I mean, they've got receivers, Herbert, uh, guys at all three levels of the defense. But like they're underclassmen of Penny Sowell at left tackle, Kayvon oh, Thibodeau at pass rusher, and Javon Holland at safety. I mean, that is insane. Like guys that have established themselves as big time playmakers at key positions that look like first rounders, and we're not even able to talk about a couple of those guys until twenty twenty two. Right. Yeah. So I, I like, I mean, it just, it sucks because I feel like they, they, they're a better team than Oklahoma, but Oklahoma is 12, uh, 12 and one. I, mean, I don't know, man, but that real quick, serve. Yeah. Real quick before we move on, I do want to acknowledge that this is the first show in about six shows mm-hmm. where I feel like I'm a hundred percent. <laughs> We've talked about the flu. The, the we had the flu week last week. I'm back. Yeah, I don't well, sound like I'm like a bullfrog today, which is good. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens by the end of the show. You may have spoke too soon. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you reaggravate the injury as the pod goes on. <laughs> you right, sounded you okay to- last week, and I, by the end, I'm like, brother, I'm gonna have to. Yeah, Joe, Joe. Joe had to take the clothes on Friday because I was just falling apart. So I'm slowly evolving into Ed Ogeron full time. <laughs> do we oh, want to do we do we want to talk about the coaching hire since we're talking about college football? Yeah, well, we got uh, Kiffin Lane Kiffin to Ole Miss, Mike Norvell to uh, Florida Love State. Love this hire. Sam Pittman to Arkansas. Did you see the social media component of that? Uh, wasn't it them standing in a room with a helmet? No. So, <laughs> so the official team account for Arkansas, okay, uh, quote tweeted or quote tweeted a picture because Sam Pittman has them blocked on Twitter. And they oh no like, way, dude! I can't believe, <laughs> I, I can't believe you didn't see this. Coach, we know you like blocking, but come on now. <laughs> what? Why was he blocked? Why did he have him blocked? I mean, that's a first of all, that's a good question. The second of all, maybe you just say, <laughs> hey, coach, uh, you mind popping onto your account and just uh, maybe unblocking us so we can tag you, you know, but geez, man. Uh, so, yeah, that was my big takeaway from the Arkansas hire. They, they, I'm interested in knowing what their search looked like, but, um, the Arkansas fans that I'm was able to kind of see their reaction to seems pretty happy with it, but you're, you're fired up about Mike Norvell to Florida state. Yeah. I would imagine the Arkansas search was probably just putting out an indeed post. <laughs> I mean, he's a long time. I mean, he's been in the sec since 2012, Sam Pittman. 
assistant head coach and offensive line coach at Georgia since 16. I mean, he's been at Arkansas for 13, 2013, 2015. So there's some familiarity there, but I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I know much about this guy. Uh, as far as Mike Norvell and Florida state, uh, had a pretty good beat on, on Memphis. Memphis has been putting out and a pretty significant NFL talent for the course of the past couple of years, uh, between, uh, we had Daryl Henderson, we had, uh, Anthony Miller, we Tony had Janard Avery, Tony Pollard. Um, they, they've Riley had Ferguson. Come on. Rest uh, in peace. Yeah. Well, <laughs> He's not really they've bad. had they've had really good offensive play there and they have become one of those teams that you don't want to play from the American and the American has, has kind of had this this really nice push to prominence as being another didn't they run the campaign last year it was like it was that they were trying to make it like the power six. Somebody did. Wouldn't surprise it was, me. It, it was the American, and they and they were. I'm pretty sure it was the American, and and. But you see, like UCLA comes to Memphis two years ago, and Memphis puts 55 points on him and beats him at the Liberty Bowl, and uh, Mike Norvell is one of those coaches that I think has the right blend of aggressiveness. He runs a very effective passing offense, and he knows clearly, based on the athletes that he's been able to acquire at the skill positions in Memphis, he knows how to attract guys that are going to fit his system and produce. And I think for Florida State, they were just a, te- uh, a program that just generally felt like they lacked direction. And I think Mike Norvell can be a very effective, his introductory presser, he talked a lot about the process. He didn't talk anything about results. He talked all about the process. And and this is the things that we need to do to take our program where we want to go. Didn't talk about wins, didn't talk about conference championships. And I, I think it's just a home run hire all around. What, uh, if you know the answer to this, and this won't be fun, but how old do you think Mike Norvell is? Probably 40, early 40s, I'd say. Okay, so you're not far off. He's 38. Yeah, he's a silver fox, though. He is, man, Um, for sure. For sure. Uh, I thought he was much older than 38, so I was a little surprised when I just looked that up and saw it. Uh, I think offensively, this is a big upgrade from the garbage scheme that Willie Taggart tried to employ at Florida State. So... You know, it, he's been really good at Memphis, 38 and 15, 12 and one this year. Uh, they've won their half of the division three years in a row uh, at Memphis. And, um, you know, the ACC needs this to work out. You know, it's 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 Clemson. And then I know they had 10 bowl teams. You know, Dabble will tell you that. But goodness gracious, the, the top of this conference is just severely lacking. And I think Virginia was the second best team in the conference. And you saw how they stacked up against Clemson in that in that ACC championship game. So Florida State needs to get right. And this needs to work out for them and for this <laughs> this conference to get, you know, their, their teams that are capable of being upper echelon powerhouses to be that. 
Well, can we talk about that real quick? Because I feel like there's a lot of programs right now that like you hear the saying college football is better when X sure. is good. Sure. There's like 10 programs right now <laughs> that are like college football is better when X is good and they're all not good. Well, and I think you look at the playoffs. We The only four teams that had zero or one loss or in the playoffs. There's, there yeah. was no conversation for number four. So, yeah, I, I think, I think we do have a bit of a dilemma. And yeah, there is. A, I mean, whether it's USC or Tennessee or Texas or uh, Miami, sure, yeah, Miami, Virginia Tech to an extent. Yeah, there's a long list of those types of teams. Florida I mean, UCLA State. has been struggling. Florida State's in that mix. Uh, Michigan State's really down right now. Yeah. I mean, we, we literally just named eight teams. Right. And didn't even really think about it. Nebraska. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> uh, we need some of these schools to get right. But it's also interesting because you are seeing teams like Baylor. You're seeing Minnesota. Um, that's probably about it. Everyone else is pretty average. <laughs> well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get too used to seeing Baylor uh, because Matt Rule's going to be out of here. He's going to be going to the pros eventually. Uh, Matt Rule got an interview with Indianapolis the year he went 1-11 at Baylor. Yeah, it says a lot. And now he's got Baylor. Their only two losses on the year were against Oklahoma, who's a playoff team. And damn it, they could have beat Oklahoma (laughs) this past weekend. They had the third-string quarterback in. Yeah. True freshman. And he hit, he was two for two for 159 yards and two touchdowns or, or one touchdown. Like, what the hell is going on here? Chuck it. Yeah. But I mean, that, that kid, first of all, that kid looked good. He's got a live arm. Uh, looking forward to seeing what he looks like as uh, he progresses there during his career. But Matt Rule uh, is, I think, going to be the hot name in college. Obviously, you have the, the Lincoln Riley thing, but. Matt Rule, as far as being the CEO type, you know, I think that that's the biggest thing for me is throughout the course of my life of, of viewing NFL. I think so many of the great coaches and good coaches, they're not just like X's and O's play callers, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, that component of it is there, but it's more the CEO types are the ones that I, I think have the best chance for success. And Matt Rule really strikes me as that type of coach as compared to an offensive guru or defensive guru. So I think Matt Rule's going to have a really big market in the coaching search this year. This is somewhat of a shifting of gears here, but I want your take on Jake Fromm. This is, he he's, I mean, his last five games, and I don't think completion percentage is the end-all be-all for quarterbacks. But he's he's been, been under 50% in his last four or five games. His last five games, Missouri, Auburn, Texas A&M, Georgia Tech, LSU. I know that the really the receivers have been hurt. Lawrence Cager's been hurt. Um, Jeremiah Howman was supposed to be a big part of this offense this year. Would he transfer something? He's not available. What, I, where are we at with Fromm? I feel like he's trending in the wrong direction. Yeah, uh, well, I think that, that was really prevalent. One of the things I did uh, this past weekend at TDN was I put together the updated 
consensus rankings. And from 63rd on the consensus rankings. And this was a player that coming into the year was considered. I don't want to put him in the, the stratosphere of where Joe Burrow is now. Right. But it's like super high football IQ, accurate, marginal physical ability, potential first round pick. And from has just. Really, I feel like he's he's regressed. I mean, there, there's no zip on the ball. Uh, some of the decision-making consistency is not there. Um, he hasn't had a ton of turnovers, but is this another Aaron Murray situation? Like, I, I haven't put him under the microscope to know with full confidence, but I know he does not look good. And I understand, like, George has been banged up at some of the skill positions. They they don't have dominant skill players, but I don't think it matters all that much because from just, he's not moving the needle in the spots that he's supposed to. And he looks really bad in the spots that you knew were weaknesses. Yeah. I just, I, I don't, I, you can't, I don't know. I don't think he could come out. No, I, you, uh, you, you cannot come out at this point. You've got to be like ascending. Like <laughs> You can't go from the player you were the previous two years to what you've shown, shown this year and feel like you're going into the NFL at the peak. Like, go back, have a good year. George Pickens looks like he's a stud if he can stop, you know, if he can keep his temper in check. And I'm sure Georgia has some amazing five-star receivers that are coming up. You should have a good offensive line. Like, go get it together and try to validate yourself as a top 50 player. Right now, I just feel like He's so undesirable based on the season he's had combined with his really, you know, modest physical gifts. Well, that's interesting because Georgia might lose three players on the offensive line. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, they, they might improve. lose both, both, both tackles and Solomon kindly. Yeah, um, they'll lose them both. All three of them. Yeah. Deandre Swift. So there's going to be some turnover. Now that that's not to advocate for Fromm coming back. Yeah. But you lost win. more last year, you know. You have to you have to wonder what Georgia looks like if they pick the right quarterback. <laughs> what does Georgia look like if they have Justin Fields at quarterback? Better. They're a better team. They're a more they're, dynamic team. They are they're probably a playoff team. Yeah, I'm guessing they don't lose to South Carolina. Right. And <laughs> and that's a that's a fun question. Does a one-loss Georgia team who loses if they keep it closer with LSU because their offense can actually score a couple of points, even if they lose to LSU and they don't lose to South Carolina, is a one-loss SEC champion getting in over a, a one-loss Oklahoma Big 12 champion? Yeah, I I would. I think so. I think Georgia's a better team than Oklahoma. Here's, an, I, interesting, here's an interesting layer here, though. Because we're talking about this now. Okay. Do you trust Kirby Smart and that coaching staff to use Justin Fields correctly? Because you looked at what the Justin Fields package yeah. looked like last year. Yeah. And it was, holy shit, these are a waste of time. Why are you doing this? Yeah, that's a good point. I remember watching the spring game because Fields, I mean, coming out was like, they this was the, the guy, right? Like the next big thing at quarterback. So right. I'm watching Georgia spring game and I'm like, this is bad. And then you watch, <laughs> you look at the, you look at the, like the packages they, 
they put together for him and you would think that he can't play. Right. And all of a sudden he goes to Ohio State and he's in the Heisman Trophy, you know, dealing down the field. That was Kyler Murray had the same package at A&M. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, maybe it was honestly the best thing for Fields. Well, do we want to talk about the NFL for a little bit here before no. we wrap up? No. Why not? Of we course we shoot. do. Why- so many big games yesterday with teams that are highly ranked in their conference. I mean, San Francisco, New Orleans, Chiefs, Patriots, Bills, Ravens. Um, how do you not come away impressed with, with San Francisco? Prove when they can go. Holy cow, man. Put up 48 points and win 48 to 46 in a shoutout at the at, Mercedes-Benz super, whatever it is, super the Superdome. Yeah, that was incredible. Uh George Kittle will put the team on his back there at the end. Michael Thomas, nobody can stop that guy, man. His, he's having one of the greatest years a receiver's ever had. I don't think we're enough. If you would have told me that this game was going to have 94 points, I'd have laughed at you. I know both these offenses are humming, but these two defenses are filled with like really good talent. Yeah. 48 to 46. Incredible. It was like I had it on, you know, I have to illegally stream the Dolphins games because I never get them on cable TV here, right? So I have that on my laptop. So I'm, I'm on Reddit with one of the streams watching the Dolphins game because I got to do that for USA Today. And on the background, Joe, I know you know this already, but Christmas came early to the Crabs household. And my television in my living room got upgraded by 17 inches. <laughs> so I was real fired up about that. So I had in the background, in my now what is effectively feels like a home theater, you, you need to come up. That's, like a, that's, a, that's a lot of TV for that room. Now that you say that it's 17 inches bigger. It's, uh, it's 65, 65 inches. All right. So you know that fireplace I have in my living room? Yeah. The television is the exact same size as the fireplace. And it sits on top of the fireplace. It's not like it's more of a wide room than it is deep. So you're pretty close to it. You're sitting on the couch, man. Yes. It's, it's, it's a home theater now. (laughs) Redefining home theater. But I'm on the couch and I've got the Dolphins game on the laptop. And in the background is the Saints uh, 49ers game. Joe, I'm not kidding you. Every time I looked up, it was for a score. Well, that's because that's what happened over and over. Every every single time I looked up, I was like, holy shit, they scored again. And then New Orleans goes down and scores with 30 seconds left or a minute left. And you're like, oh, man, they got Houston or New Orleans got Houston. You remember week one when Deshaun took them down the field in like two plays. And they scored to take the lead against mm-hmm. New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then New Orleans came back and kicked the game-winning field goal. They got Houston. Is that what we're calling that? That's a good it way is, to put it, it. It is now, yeah. Well, and Seattle loses to Los Angeles, so this is a great day for the 49ers to get, yeah. to get a loss to Seattle and New Orleans and a win over New Orleans to get that tiebreaker is a pretty big deal in their efforts to be the top seed. The, the Super Bowl and the NFC is probably going to have to go for, through San Francisco. Now, yeah, and, and we, we've talked about this New Orleans-San Francisco game for like three weeks as like 
this is the game. If New Orleans wins at home, it's going to be trouble for the NFC. And sure enough, San Francisco pulls it out of the bag there, and this is their their marquee hallmark signature win, no question. Chiefs big win over the Patriots get to nine and four. Patriots fall to ten and three. Tom Brady continues to not play well. This offense in New England continues to struggle. Um, big win for the Chiefs. They clinch the AFC West. Yep. And Raiders falling apart, kind of yeah. like we thought they would. Yeah, and, and you know, for Kansas City, they've got to be sniffing a top two seed now because if now the Patriots play like the Bills, Jets, and Dolphins, so you feel like those are probably all games they can handle. But if they have one if, trip up, yep. you know, it's going to cost them a buy, and I think they need it. Well, let's see. The Chiefs play um, Denver, Chicago, and the Chargers. They can win all so they, they should feasibly win all those games. Right. So now Buffalo against New England <clears throat> is yeah. feas- can feasibly be for both the AFC East and for the two seed relative as it, as it speaks to Kansas City. Yeah, the, the challenge there, if Buffalo lost their opportunity. If Buffalo beat Baltimore yesterday, which they had a reasonable chance to do, they would have controlled their own destiny in the AFC. Imagine right. that. Well, they didn't win the game, so it doesn't matter. The, the, the course for Buffalo to win the division is very difficult because it requires them to um, beat New England. Okay, so that's fine. We figured in New England. Yeah. So, okay, let's let's say they do that. All right. Well, everyone goes crazy. The Bills beat the Patriots. And they have they have identical records, assuming the Bills don't lose to Pittsburgh this week. New England still has to lose another game because the tiebreaker is common opponents. And New England. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, I got yeah. you. So the, the go Finns. Go <laughs> I need Miami to beat New England in December again. That's the only way the Bills are gonna win the AFC East. Well, I hate to break it to you, but a week 17 game in Foxborough. <laughs> That ain't gonna happen. All right. Um, so yeah, I think I think the Bills. It's not impossible. I think there's a six percent chance of them winning can, the division. Can we talk about the AFC South? Sure. The Houston Texans legit might miss the playoffs, dude. The Texans and Titans are tied. Won't they play twice in the next three weeks? Too. They do. Fascinating. So Tennessee also has to play New Orleans, which sucks. But it comes down to this. Tennessee is at home against Houston this week. They are 6-1 and one with Tannehill at quarterback. Houston just gave up 38 points to the Denver Broncos. After shellacking the Patriots. Correct. Makes sense. Perfect. Well, it's that's Houston, right? Like, you, you think back to Houston last year. This is exactly what Houston does. They're like, who are you? Right. Bye Can you board. just get consistent? Right. No, they so can't. Like, so, like... The New Orleans game for Tennessee is inconsequential. Both of these teams are eight and five. If Tennessee wins both games against the Texans, Tennessee wins the division. And the Texans would have at least seven losses, which then puts them in position to be fighting with the Pittsburgh Steelers for a wild card spot. That's going to be interesting because they could they could sabotage themselves. What's Pittsburgh's remaining schedule is fascinating. I don't know what it is. I'm going to find out. I know they have Buffalo. It's it's Sunday. It's night. tough. They've they've got Pittsburgh is home against Buffalo. They're in New York against the Jets, and then they play the Ravens in Baltimore. 
they need to hope that the Ravens have everything locked up, and they may. Think they would love to sit Lamar for that game? Oh, for sure. And they've got, they've effectively got a two-game lead now. So Baltimore is going to be going in. Uh, they play the Jets on Thursday this week, and then the Browns. Yeah. Baltimore. And then they have Pittsburgh for Baltimore. And, and then they have Pittsburgh. Yep. So yeah, Baltimore. So they're going to be Baltimore, 13 and 2 going into week 17. They should be. Please. They should be. Jets and Browns. I know the Browns beat them earlier. They're not going to beat them again. I don't know. Browns are interesting, too. I don't know what they're not for the playoffs are not interesting. If they beat Baltimore. Man, they're six. They're they're six and four in the conference. If they beat Baltimore. They would go to seven and four and then they play the Bengals again. Week 17. They have Arizona, Baltimore and Cincinnati. They went out their nine and seven. Right. And that, but Pittsburgh has to play. Pittsburgh is eight and five and they have to play the bills and Ravens. Mm -hmm. You have Houston and Tennessee who are both eight and five. Tennessee is eight and five right now and on the outside looking into the playoffs. But if Tennessee were to sweep Houston, Houston has seven losses. And your optimism here comes from their conference record because the Colts and Raiders are six and seven as well. Correct. But I I don't think the Colts or Raiders are going to go hypothetically three and oh, the Colts play New Orleans in Monday night this week. So the Colts are going to have eight losses. Yeah, they're losing that game. They're done. Bye. Raiders Raiders might win out. They've got (laughs) Jacksonville, who's a dumpster fire right now. You see that stat they, about the team right now? No. They're the first team since 1986 to lose five straight games by 17 points or more. Oh, somebody call the comp. Somebody call the competition committee. Let's start an investigation. <laughs> the, 20, the 2019 Miami Dolphins didn't even do that. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the So they play the Jaguars, the, the Chargers, and the Broncos. Broncos. True lock, man. Yeah, it's weird, man. <laughs> Turns out Vic Fangio throwing him under the bus here for no He's reason stunned. whatsoever. He's stunned. Vic Fangio <laughs> doesn't know what's going on. He's like, huh? <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so we were talking about the Browns? We're talking about the, the AFC playoff okay. picture. The AFC. Okay. All right. Well, I sort of think it's going to be the Bills and Steelers. Five and six. Well, Bills probably. win any of their final three, they're in. It's probably. I mean, B- Buffalo could feasibly lose out and still make the playoffs. They won't. They, they could, yeah, but. But right. they could, mathematically right. speaking. I, as a Bills fan, I want the five seed because I don't want to play. I don't want to have to go to New England or Kansas City. And that's what happens if you're the six seed. If you're the five seed, you get to play the winner of the AFC South. So sign me up for that. Yeah. And then you get know, to man. play Baltimore. I don't know, man. You see this stat on Ryan Tannehill? I know he's been good. I understand you know he's been good, but do you understand Ryan Tannehill has now had a passer rating above 130 and a completion percentage above 75% for three consecutive games. Only one other quarterback in NFL history has done that for three straight games, and it's Aaron Rodgers in 2011 during his MVP season. Are you, are you going to try to convince me 
that, that I would was, rather. That was according to Jeff Darlington. I wanted to attribute that to who that came from. But you would rather go play a game at Tennessee than you would New England or Kansas City in the playoffs. I would rather if I was having to face one of those, I'm in the same boat as you. Okay. I would rather play Tennessee, yes. So that's where my mind's at. And then you get to go play Baltimore again. Which is no good either. But no, it's there's, not good, there's, but there's no good options at this point. If you make the, the final eight, like, congrats. Like, it's going to be bad. The playoffs, <laughs> I mean, it's the playoffs. So you got you to you got, you gotta beat these teams, right? That's just right. how right. it goes. So I guess we should talk about the NFC for a second. Although, I mean, the Rams are playing good ball in December. That's what they do. Yeah, so where does – because Minnesota won. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seattle lost, but L.A.'s two – so L.A. is basically banking on Minnesota, fumbling the bag. And they may. Uh, Minnesota plays at the Chargers. They host the, pa- the Packers and Bears the final two weeks of the season. All right, so Minnesota beat the Chargers this week. Yep. And then they've got Green Bay on Monday night. Thank goodness. That's going to be a fun game. That could be for the division, low-key. Like, mm, who won the first no. game? Green, Green Bay did. Green Bay is 3-0 in the division right now, and Minnesota's 2-2. Two and two. Yeah, so they're going to they have to be an outright better record or rely on tiebreakers, which so I'm not Min- as familiar with. Over there. Minnesota would have to – Green Bay would have to lose out. Okay, so because- they're – they're not winning the division, Minnesota. No, Minnesota's not going to win the division. Uh, so Green Bay's effectively, unofficially got it in the bag. One more win, and that will put them into, like, even with tiebreakers, Green Bay would win. Uh, Ram, but Minnesota- Ram, Rams are at Cowboys at 49ers and then host the Cardinals. 10-6 mm, and going to miss the playoffs. Do you think they're going to go 2-1 and one over that stretch? Yeah, Dallas is yeah. shit. Yeah, ten and six is uh, ten and six is going to be might might not get you in. Well, because Minnesota Minnesota would have to lose to Green Bay, which is possible, and then also lose at home to Chicago. Minnesota's eight zero at home on this on the year right now. <laughs> Are they really? Yeah. So they've won they're, all. They- I, I'm, I'm sorry, they're six and zero at home. Okay. But and then their last two home games are Green Bay and Chicago. Speaking of like road home splits. Kansas City is funny. They're um, where's their? I got to pull this up. This is interesting. Okay, so Kansas Kansas City is six and one away, three and three at home. The Bills are five and one away, four and three at home. Explain that, that no to me sense. like I'm five. That makes no sense. <laughs> okay. You know that you remember the the stat on Kirk Cousins against like winning winning teams with winning records. He's not good against them, right? Minnesota this season is 0-4 against teams with winning records and 9-0 against teams with losing records. Okay. I mean, I, I mean, I think it's, it's easy to cast shade over that type of stuff, but like at the same time, like not all not all mediocre teams just win all the games they're supposed to either. Right. You know? So right. they're nine and four. <laughs> They're zero and zero and four against teams of winning records, right? Now, granted, they won some of these teams, some of these games. I think, I think they won some of these games when the team had a winning record at the time. I mean, they're plus ninety in point differentials. That's second best in the NFC. Minnesota's beat the Falcons, Raiders, Giants, Eagles, 
Lions, Redskins, Cowboys, Broncos, and Lions. I'm not unimpressed by that. I'm not trying to cash too much shade at Minnesota here. They took care of business in the games they were supposed to take care of. And their losses, I mean, they lost one score game to the Packers, one score game to the Chiefs, one score game to the Seahawks, and they lost by 10 to the Bears. All on the road. Right, so they, yeah. I mean, they competed. The the lose the losses they have are on the road, close games against good teams. Yeah. I don't hate it. All right, last thing, last thing. Yep. The, the draft order race is going to get weird, man. Yeah, I need to pull it up. I had, I'm unfamiliar with it. All right, so... The top four teams as things stand right now are the Bengals at 1-12, the Giants at 2-10, who played tonight against the Eagles on Monday Night Football, the uh, 3-10 Redskins and the 3-10 Dolphins. The Giants the next two weeks play the Redskins and the Dolphins. And the Bengals play the Dolphins in two weeks. So every single game in the top four is going to have at least one game against somebody else in the top four. And meanwhile, is it just going to shuffle around the top four? Uh, Probably because Detroit and Arizona have the tie with each other and they're five and six. What's interesting they're, about Cincinnati is they, oh no, they have the hardest strength of schedule. Yeah. So if Cincinnati gets in a position where they, heaven forbid, Win. <laughs> uh, they're, they're sitting so pretty because they play New England next week. They, they, they've got Cincinnati they got would to, have they to take care of they, their business and lose out. I mean, they could even afford to win a game. They just cannot. The only way Cincinnati in winning one game does not get the first pick is if the Giants lose out and the Giants have to play the Dolphins and the Redskins in back-to-back weeks. And the Giants kicked the shit out of Washington the first time they played them. The fascinating thing for me is, let's just say the the order holds serve. Mm-hmm. Burrow, Young. Andrew does, Thomas heard. Or tra- is that a trade? Is that a situation where somebody wants to get up in front of Miami for Herbert or Tua? You won't, because Miami will match your offer. Nobody's going to outbid Miami in a trade-up situation. And Washington can trade down one spot. What and, get, is, and get stuff. What is, hypothetically speaking, we're, we're looking at a team that wants to make a splash, right? Carolina. Carolina at 11 right now. What is Carolina going to give Washington to move up to three that Miami won't also give them to move up right. one spot? Right. They'll still get the same player that they were going to get a three, move back one spot. Yep. I think Miami's surplus in assets really kills any fascinating components of this. The and, only way it would, the only way we go would through, love to do business with Miami. Let's be honest. Right. Opposite side of the opposite yeah. side of the fence. We got a ton of assets to work with here. We're only moving down one spot. We're still going to get a blue chip player. Now, what you don't want to do is get into like win a game and then be in that Jaguars, Atlanta Jets. Oh, yeah, no, (laughs) no. And that's that's what I said to you last night. I'm like, I want to be mad that the ref screwed the Dolphins with the, the DPI review yesterday. 
But if Miami would have beat the Jets, Miami would be picking eight right now. Yeah, that's that's not a good place to be. Miami would be picking eight with games left against the Giants and Bengals. Yeah. In danger is winning a couple of those games and being like 14. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they could they could legit fall to 12 because Denver right now is picking 12 at five and eight. Yeah. Yeah. You're a heartbeat away from it. They still might get there. Got to lose. Put some more good players on IR, you know, see what you got. And uh, who's that third quarterback you have? Is it uh, Rudock or whatever? Uh, yeah, Jake Rudock. Let's see, see what, what Jake Rudock's got. got. Well, here's the thing. Miami had two more receivers go down with concussions yesterday. Parker was one and Albert Wilson, right? Yep. Well, I don't, I don't think they diagnosed Wilson as a concussion. It was just a head injury. But they played three quarters of that game without both of those guys. <laughs> and they still almost beat the Jets. They're like running out of good guys to put on IR. So the draft order will speak for itself because everyone plays each other. Yes. And they can't all lose. We will find out who the turds are over the course of the next two weeks. And we'll get to do a mock draft with the order on Wednesday, right? Yes, we will. We could feasibly do it on Wednesday and Thursday and split it up too. Thanks. We don't have any picks against the spread. Just really yeah. flush it out, huh? Yeah. Keep people hanging. We, gotta, we get a whole extra show every week now. Yeah. This what is are we exciting. Do with our, all this space. Brother, and then in another three weeks when the NFL season ends, we're going to have a whole nother two shows worth to talk we're, about prospects. Yeah, we're just going to have to talk about prospects all the time. Hope you like what that. Do, it's, we've got so much floor space for activities. Crazy. All right. Come back. See us again tomorrow for takes on takes. We're looking forward to it, Joe. It is our 69th edition of Takes on Takes tomorrow. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So you got that to look forward to. Send your hot takes to at the Joe Marino or at grinding the tape with the hashtag Takes on Takes. We will talk with you guys again tomorrow.